good morning. My name is Daniel. Uh, my wife, Julie, and I have the privilege and the honor of leading our youth ministry here at Rock Hill. If we haven't had a chance to meet you, we look forward to meeting you following this service. Um, but I wanted to start off this morning uh, before we jump into the message today. And I just want to give honor where honor is due. And I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the leadership God has blessed us with here at our church in Pastor Matt and Katie Chapel. And I think we should honor them this morning. Come on. I'm so thankful for Pastor Matt. I'm thankful for you, Katie, Liv, Luke, and Blakely, their kids. We love you. And I believe they're watching right now. And we're so thankful that they get to get away and spend some quality time together as a family. And I want to just brag on our pastor here for a moment. We're celebrating five years in January, uh, which we're excited about um, as a church. But in five years, this is only the third Sunday our pastor has ever missed because he loves Rock Hill, because he is passionate about carrying out the vision and the burden that God has placed on his heart for the Inland Empire. That is commitment we're celebrating and worth honoring. And we're so thankful that they are away getting rest, getting refreshed this morning. But if it's your first time, I wanna encourage you, you can't miss next Sunday because they're gonna be back. And we wanna hear you, we wanna hear from them, and we want you to meet them and connect with them this morning. But if you want to uh, grab your Bibles this morning, we're gonna jump into uh, the message. And you can turn to the book of Philippians, the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter number two. If you don't have a Bible, we're gonna have the verses up on the screen, but there also should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at home, I wanna encourage you to take that one with you. That's our gift to you. We would love to see you take that home this morning. But Philippians chapter number two. And if you're unfamiliar with the book of Philippians, I wanna give a little bit of backstory this morning to catch us up to speed. Uh, the book of Philippians is called an epistle, which is a biblical word for letter. So this is a letter that the Apostle Paul, one of the most famous people, one of the most famous characters you'll read about in the Bible, this is a letter he wrote to a body of Christian believers, a church in the city of Philippi. And a couple reoccurring themes in the book of Philippians are dealing with hardship and also looking to hope beyond our circumstance. How many are in need of some hope this morning? Come on, it's a dark world out there, but we have hope like we sang about this morning. We have reason to celebrate, reason to praise. And those are a couple subjects Paul touches on, but I'm looking forward to talking about the subject of friendship this morning, because that's another occurring theme in the book of Philippians, specifically in chapter number two. And we are in week number three, Pastor Matt mentioned, of our People of the Fine Print series. And I'm excited to touch on kind of an obscure Bible character this morning named Epaphroditus, okay? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Epaphroditus before. Okay, we got a few hands, okay? Now, put those hands out. Raise your hand if you have never heard. This is the first time you've heard that name, Epaphroditus. More hands, okay? I'm gonna be honest. Before I studied uh, for this message and prepared it, I couldn't have told you one thing about Epaphroditus, okay? So I'm in the same boat as you, but this character is given to us in scripture for a reason, and it's an impactful reason. And I'm encouraged to look at this passage today and to gain some insight on the subject of friendship. Not only being a friend worth having, but looking for qualities in friends worth having this morning. All right, look at Philippians chapter number two. And we're gonna be in verse 24, 
and we're going to read down through verse number 30. The Bible says this in Philippians 2, 24. But I, this is Paul writing, remember, but I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Paul is writing this letter from a prison cell, okay? He's under house arrest. He's separated from these Christians at Philippi and he's writing this letter seeking to encourage, to exhort them to do what's right. And he says, I trust God is gonna free me and I'm gonna see you soon. Look at verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all. He desired to be with you and was full of heaviness because that he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God. Aren't you thankful for those moments where God steps in when we're in need? But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. And verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. People of the fine print, Week number three, we're looking at the life of Epaphroditus and the subject of friendship. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, thank you for this time we can come together. I thank you for those songs that we just sang in worship and in honor and glory to you. God, we're so thankful for the living hope. Our hope is not dead. It is alive in you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would fill me this morning. God, that you would remove distraction, that you would bless this time as we look to your word. God, I pray that every single one of us would leave this morning better for having been here today. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The subject of friendship, this is a hot topic in culture, right? We have a lot of cultural references to this topic, a lot of shows, movies, and characters in shows and movies that we love uh, display friendship, okay? And I brought a few examples for us this morning. Example number one, we have this friend relationship. Anybody recognize these people? This is Sam and Frodo, okay, from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings fans in here? Anybody? Not me, okay? <laughs> I have never seen them. I have no desire to see them, okay? And before you cancel me and tune me out the rest of the message, I have another kind of a little more nerdy reference this morning, okay? Our second friendship, Han Solo and Chewbacca. Come on. Now, I have seen every single Star Wars movie. I used to dress up as a Jedi. I had a lightsaber, and I was playing by myself, okay, <laughs> in my yard with a lightsaber, okay, as a kid. But this is an iconic duo, an iconic friendship for sure. And now, if you're like, neither of these resonate with me, this one will. Number three, last but certainly not least, my favorite and, in my opinion, the heroes of Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa, okay? Simba would have died in the wilderness if it wasn't for Timon and Pumbaa, okay? So not only do we have some characters and some friendships in movies and in TV series that we can point to, but also some famous songs, okay? And I'm going to share a couple lines with you from some iconic songs about friends that you can't hardly help but sing as you say them, okay? Why can't we be friends, okay? Why can't we be friends, okay? All right, there we go, okay? How about... 
Let me tell you about my best friend, Harry Nielsen. Let me tell you about my best. There we go. Some of you are singing along with me. And then last but not least, the title of our message this morning, Randy Newman, you've got a friend in me. Yes, come on. Woody and Buzz from the iconic Toy Story. But I want to remind us this morning, not only does the world, not only does the entertainment industry have so much to say about the relationship of friends, but the Bible actually touches on this subject a lot. It touches on this subject a lot. The Bible has a lot to say about friendship. In the Old Testament, we see a close, dear friendship between David and the king's son, Jonathan, okay? We also see Abraham, known as the father of Israel, one of the earliest characters in scripture. The Bible calls him a friend of God. What an amazing title to be said about your life, a friend of God. If you go on and read through the book of Proverbs and Song of Solomon, Solomon, king of Israel, the wisest man to walk the face of the earth, often touches on the relationship of friends. And he says this in Proverbs 17, verse 17. He says, a friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. He goes on to say in Proverbs 18, verse 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now we fast forward to the New Testament, okay? We're in the New Testament this morning in Philippians, the church age. And Jesus, in his teachings all throughout the gospel, often referred to friendship while he was leading his disciples. He said specifically to his 12 committed followers, he said, hey, if you want to call yourself a friend of mine, a true friend, simply keep my commandments. Simply obey. Simply take the teachings that I've given you and walk those out in your life. The subject of friendship is obviously near and dear to the heart of God. So it should be value to us, right? How many of you have a good friend this morning? How many of you have a good friend? All right. Almost all of you. If you didn't raise your hand, I'll be your good friend this morning, okay? Find me after. I want to be your good friend this morning. But as we seek to be a good friend, a friend worth having, and as we are in search of and look for friends that are worth having in this life, there's a few qualities that we can gain and pull from the life of Epaphroditus in our passage this morning. So I want to share three qualities, three characteristics of a friend worth having this morning. First, the first characteristic that we see in his life is this. They seek to meet the needs of those around them. They seek to meet the needs of those around them. A friend worth having is far less concerned with meeting their own needs as they are with meeting the needs of those around them. We see this exemplified in the life of Epaphroditus. Now, as I said before, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church from a prison cell. This is a low point in Paul's ministry, right? He's sitting in this cell. He's not sure if he is going to leave with his head still attached to his body or not much less if he has any more days ahead of him. Paul is low. He is discouraged. He is in need. He is in need of a friend, and here comes Epaphroditus. And every time Epaphroditus is mentioned in Scripture, which is two times in the book of Philippians, we see him being a friend to Paul. We see him not focused on his own needs, on his own desires, but rather seeing, hey, Paul, you need a brother? I'm your brother. You need someone to labor alongside of you in the work of the gospel? That's me. I'm your man. You need somebody to fight with you. Paul called him his fellow soldier. That's the life of Epaphroditus. He was constantly seeking to serve and to meet the needs of those around him rather than to have his own needs met. 
And right off the bat, I can't help but see a connection between the person of Epaphroditus and the person of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Paul, in prison, Epaphroditus shows up, sits with him, encourages him, serves him, seeks to meet his needs. Paul could give him nothing in return. Jesus saw us in prison to our sin, came to this earth, gave his life as a sacrifice, all the while, his entire life seeking to serve and meet the needs, not of his own, but of those around him, to a people that could give him nothing in return, us. Epaphroditus is painting a picture here early in this passage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 25, look at Philippians 2, verse 25 in our passage. Paul says, yet I supposed it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and my companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Now, right off the bat, we see Epaphroditus is a friend to two different parties. We see him as a friend to Paul, but we also see him as a friend to the church at Philippi. Right? Paul referenced it. He said, Paul, uh, Epaphroditus is my brother. He's my companion. He's my fellow soldier. He's fought with me. He's encouraged me. But your messenger, right? Epaphroditus is coming from the church at Philippi to encourage Paul. Now Paul is sending him back to the Philippians. The role that Epaphroditus had in these two relationships looked vastly different, right? To Paul, he was a fighter. He was an encourager. To the church, he was a messenger, faithfully carrying the message and the gift that they were sending to Paul. But I want to encourage us and point out the one thing that did not change in these two relationships. His role, his responsibility changed, but his character did not. No matter what relationship Epaphroditus was tending to, no matter what the need was, no matter what his circumstance was, he was consistent. In other words, he remained faithful. You know, this past Thursday night uh, in our youth group, I shared a message and we touched on the subject of stewardship and responsibility with our teenagers. And ultimately, responsibility comes down to faithfulness, right? It's a matter of faithfulness. If you wanna gain more responsibility in your life, you have to be responsible with what you've been given now. You have to be faithful, we have to be good stewards and we've all been given something. So how are we stewarding what God has entrusted with us now before we expect something else down the road, all right? And that's exactly what Epaphroditus was. He was faithful. He was consistent. Paul, you need encouragement? I'm there. The Philippian church, you need encouragement? I'm there. I'll be there. I'm faithful. I'm consistent. Can I encourage us this morning? The only thing God has ever desired from his children is faithfulness. Look at the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. When sin entered the world, it was because they were unfaithful. They chose to serve their own desires rather than the desires and the provision that God had given them. The children of Israel, all over the Old Testament, they went through this cycle of being for God, worshiping God, being faithful to him, and then turning their back, unfaithfully serving the gods of others around them. And God would miraculously deliver them and bring them back, and they would start the cycle over again of worship, and then soon they would turn their backs. Today, all God desires from us is faithfulness, a relationship with him. That's his desire for us this morning. So, if you want to please and bring joy to the heart of God, the heart of your heavenly father, can I encourage you this morning? Be faithful. Be faithful. Just like Epaphroditus. 
Whatever role you find yourself in, whether it's a relationship at work, a relationship in your family, someone you hardly know and an acquaintance, be consistent, be faithful. Seek to meet the needs, not of yourself first, but of those around you. They seek to meet the, the needs of those around them. I love what Pro, uh, Romans 12.10 says, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring not yourself, preferring one another. That is the life Epaphroditus lived. You know, I wonder who needs you today. Think about that for a moment. I wonder who has needs that you can meet. I wonder who down the road has needs that you can tend to, but because of the decisions you're making today, you won't be there for them. I wonder who's in need that you can serve and encourage today. Epaphroditus wasn't worried about himself. He was focused on meeting the needs of those around him. Look at verse 26 in our passage, Philippians 2, 26. For he, Epaphroditus, longed after you all. He desired to be with you and was full of heaviness. Now we see this encourager discouraged. Why? Look at the second half. Because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Now this is very interesting to me that Paul would include this in the story. He says, Epaphroditus is discouraged. He is low because he heard that you had heard that he was sick. Not because he was sick, because he had heard that other people were discouraged about the fact that he was sick. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, it's hard for me to think about anything else, to care about anyone else, or to have a desire to serve anybody else, okay, because I'm sick, okay? You ever notice that? When you're sick, it's the only thing you can think about, okay? Another example, a few weeks ago, I had a, a, like a, a crink in my neck, okay? I couldn't think about anything else, okay? I'm sitting there at my, my computer. I'm working at my desk all day. I'm just like readjusting and like feeling it, okay? I wake up in the morning. It's the first thing I feel and I think about. Every time somebody calls my name, I turn my head. I'm like, ah, my neck, okay? When we're sick, when we have an infirmity of some sort, that's all we can think about, but not Epaphroditus. Even in the midst of his illness, he was seeking to meet the needs of Paul, the needs of the church, and he was sorrowful when they heard that he was sick in need of something. That was the way he lived his life. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about Jesus. It's about spreading the gospel. It's about seeing people reached. It's about seeing churches started. That's what Epaphroditus committed his life to. Now, look at the next verse, verse 27. Because Paul expounds a little bit on the sickness that he had. He said, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death. These weren't seasonal allergies that Epaphroditus was going through, okay? He didn't just oversleep and was in a bad mood and then was saying, oh, I'm not feeling well, I'm sick, okay? He couldn't just pop a Zyrtec and feel better. He was nigh unto death. This sickness had him on his deathbed and still his posture, still his response, still his heart was, not me, how can I serve you? How can I be there for you? You see, Epaphroditus, I believe, had a strong and clear understanding of what James wrote in James 4.14. Look at this verse. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
Epaphroditus understood, hey, I may not be here for a long time, but in the time that I have, I'm not gonna focus on me, myself, and I. I'm gonna focus on you, yours, and others. I'm gonna focus on how I can serve Paul, the man of God that is in my life. I'm gonna serve the church that God has brought me to. I'm gonna be committed to the local church and I'm gonna seek to serve and meet the needs of those around me, not my own needs. That's the first quality we see in a friend worth having. So if you wanna be a friend worth having and if you wanna find friends that are worth keeping in this life, this is what you need to search for. Someone who seeks to meet the needs of others rather than themselves. This brings us to our second quality. Number two, the second quality of a friend worth having is this. They bring life to every situation. They bring life to every situation. Verse 28 in our passage says, I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. So Paul is saying, I'm sending Epaphroditus to you, and when you see him, he'll bring you joy, and when I know he made it safely, I'll be joyful too. I'll be less sorrowful. I wonder, do people rejoice when they see you? Woo! Are people like, yes, he's here? Or like, oh man, this guy again, <laughs> okay, all right. They bring life to every situation they step into. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify, encourage, build up one another, even as also ye do. They bring life to every situation. In other words, they're the life of the party. Where they go, life follows. Where they go, hope is seen. Where they go, a light is shining. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this. This doesn't mean that every single one of us have to be social butterflies and we're seeking to talk to everybody and we're rubbing shoulders and we're like the life of the party in that sense, okay? But it does mean that we, as the children of God, as the people of God, we're not sucking the life out of every situation. We don't step into a room and we leave it darker and less encouraged and like, man, I wish that guy didn't even show up this morning. I wish she wasn't here today. A friend worth having, a friend worth being this morning brings life to every situation that they step into. That was Epaphroditus. You know, Many of us, we live in this, in this way and we go through life and, and we hurt people and we discourage others because we ourselves are discouraged, right? I've been there, okay? Lashing out, I'm having a bad day, so you should have a bad day too. And many of us, we excuse bad behavior like this by putting a fancy label on it, right? What do we call this? I'm just being real, right? How many of you have heard that? How many of you have said that? Okay, <laughs> all right, I'm just calling it like I see it, right? I'm just a realist, right? That's just me, okay? No, that's bad behavior. You're being negative and you're having a bad attitude, okay? That's what that is. Epaphroditus had every reason to complain. Epaphroditus was dying of this sickness, of this fatigue, traveling to seek to encourage Paul and to be an encouragement to his church. And he was smitten with this illness. And even then, he said, it's not about me, it's about others. I'm gonna bring life, I'm gonna bring encouragement with every breath that I have, I'm gonna bring life and hope into this situation. Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, health to the bones. 
Proverbs 12, 25 says, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Can I remind us this morning, Jesus has called us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Not the darkness of the world, not the realest of the world. We're to bring hope. We're to brighten every situation. The world is full of hopelessness, darkness, and we as the children of God don't need to be adding to that. We have the gospel message that is one of hope, one of truth, one of eternal life, one that brings life into a dark, deathful, hopeless situation, and we ought to share that this morning. A friend worth having is one that seeks to meet the needs of not of their own, but of those around them. And secondly, they bring life into every situation. Now, look at verse 29. Paul says this, receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on this. What I'm saying this morning is not that when we are the life of the party and we are bringing life and hope into a situation, we're not making this about us, right? We're not making a situation, a dark, hopeless situation, all about me, myself, and I, right? That was not the heart of Epaphroditus. That should not be our heart this morning. So if we are gonna bring true, lasting hope and lasting life to a dark circumstance, it's gonna require two things of us. It's gonna require self-sacrifice and it's gonna require an eternal perspective. Now, what does self-sacrifice look like? Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, I love how Jesus was up front as he was calling people to follow him. He said, hey, if you're gonna follow me, this is what it's gonna require. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's self-sacrifice. In other words, self-sacrifice for us as a Christian is the denial of self and devotion to Christ. Denying myself, my desires, and devoting myself to the work of Christ. What is the work of Christ? Making the lost found. Serving someone who can give you nothing in return. We are to bring life to every situation we step into. So it's going to require self-sacrifice. It's also going to require an eternal perspective. What is this? Jesus went on to say in Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I think it's important for us to notice this morning that the heart Jesus was referring to was not the organ that's pumping in our chest, that's sending blood throughout all of our bodies this morning, okay? He was speaking to the heart, the mind, the soul, the thought. He was speaking to your, your mental presence, your desires, saying where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. I remember a few months ago, Julie and I were shopping for a new car, and my car, Kirby, my old 2002 Honda Civic, bit the dust, okay? All right, rest in peace, Kirby, all right? And so we were in, on the market for a new car, and we had been shopping for several weeks, and we had been saving up since we got married. Uh, so for several years, we were saving up, and we had this cash set aside to purchase a new car. The day came where I was going to meet a guy and take a look at a car and possibly purchase it. Okay, the mileage was right, uh, the engine was right, okay, the car history was right, everything. I had done my research, done my homework. So all that was left to do was set up an appointment, get our funds together, and go meet him, right, and take a look, take a test drive. I remember that day I had the envelope with all the cash that we had saved for several years 
okay? And it wasn't a lot, okay? But it was significant to me. And I remember everywhere that envelope was that day, my mind was there. If it was in my pocket, every once in a while, I'd go like this, okay, it's still there, okay? Every time I stood up from sitting down, I was like, did it fall out? Okay, did I lose anything? Okay, if it was in the glove box in my car and I was sitting at my desk, every once in a while, I'd just look over my shoulder like, is anybody breaking into my car, checking my keys, making sure it's locked, okay? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will your mind be also. I wonder, where is your treasure this morning? Is it in this life? Is it in a house? Is it in an education? Is it in a job title? Is it in a financial status, a social status? Is it in making the best life possible for here and now? Or is it in eternity? Is it at a heart like Epaphroditus had that said, I'm not concerned with me. I'm not concerned with gain in this life. I'm more concerned with gain in eternity. I'm more concerned with using every single breath I have for as long as my heart is beating here and now, I'm going to invest in there and then. That's an eternal perspective. Not focusing on making this life as great and as easy as possible, but focusing on serving others and serving our Savior so that when we get to heaven one day, we have something to show for it. We can cast those crowns that we've earned in this life at the feet of Jesus and say, I spent a life faithfully serving you. I lived a life like Epaphroditus where I was less concerned with meeting my own needs. I was more concerned with serving others. I brought life to every situation. So where is your treasure this morning? Is it in earthly things or eternal things? Epaphroditus was so focused on the eternal that he was willing to sacrifice his own health which brings us to our third and final characteristic of a friend worth having this morning. Number three, last but not least, they are ready to give everything to reach someone else. A friend worth having is far more concerned with meeting the needs of those around them than they are themselves. They bring life, hope, joy to every situation they step into, and then they're ready to give everything, to lay it all on the line, to reach someone else. Look at verse 30, our final verse in our passage this morning. Paul writes this, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. The work of Christ, as Epaphroditus faithfully served, hurt his health. He was willing to give everything for the work of Christ. Can that be said about us? I'm willing to sacrifice and give everything, Jesus, for you. I'm willing to lay it all on the line and give everything I can in this life for what's on the other side, for eternity, so that someone else can be reached. Epaphroditus gave it all for the mission of Christ. His life embodied the calling of a disciple and what Jesus said in John 15, 13. Look at this verse. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That was the life Jesus lived. That's the life we see Epaphroditus living. That's the life we're called to. Who can I serve? Who can I reach? Who can I encourage? What situation needs hope? What situation needs encouragement, needs joy that I can breathe life into? 
See, Epaphroditus, though he was mentioned few times, only twice, both in the book of Philippians, he was consistent and faithful because each time he was mentioned, he was giving his all so that others could be reached with the gospel. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here this morning. That's why Rock Hill Church was started in the first place. Our mission statement, our purpose as a church is to reach people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. That's why that heart is still beating in your chest. That's why you're still alive and breathing on this earth, not to serve yourself, not to make this life comfortable, not to get somewhere that will agree with everything you think and everything you believe, but to focus on eternity, to serve Jesus, to serve others, to not invest in this life, but to invest in that beyond. I wonder how different the world would look if some Christians in Rancho Cucamonga, in San Bernardino, in Fontana, in Rialto, in Colton, in Upland. I wonder how different the IE would look if we got serious about that right there. I'm not focused on comfort. I'm focused on Christ. I'm focused on reaching people with the gospel. I'm not much concerned with my own needs and my own desires. I'm concerned with the person next to me who might be spending an eternity in hell. I'm focused on reaching them and I'm willing to lay everything on the line so that that takes place. That's a friend worth having. That's the type of friend you and I should be. I'm willing to lay everything on the line. I'm willing to give everything so that someone else can be reached. As Paul penned the words of Philippians chapter two, he had a living, breathing example of what he was writing in Epaphroditus sitting right in front of him. And he shared this story so that we could see this example and be more like Epaphroditus, but really not like him at all, more like Jesus. And the next chapter, Paul would write these words in Philippians 3 verse eight. And I believe with this story fresh on his mind of Epaphroditus and the selfless sacrifice he gave, Paul was thinking of a good friend that he had. Paul was thinking of a good father, a good savior that he had as he wrote this. Philippians 3.8, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, but for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb, waste, pointless, that I, may win Christ. Everything Paul did in the last few days of his life was all centered around reaching more people with the gospel, serving Christ. How can I be more like my savior? How can I be closer to Jesus? How can I not serve myself or my needs or my desires? How can I serve others around me? This is the life Paul lived. This is the life Epaphroditus lived one that sought to meet the needs of others, one that brought life to every situation, and one that was ready to give everything to reach someone else. Now, the example that we have in this man, Epaphroditus, was not given to us just to elevate him and to celebrate what he did. It was given to us so that we can see how we ought to live, but ultimately, like I said before, pointing us to a greater friend 
to a greater encourager, to one that brought not just life and joy here and now, but eternal life, Jesus Christ. Epaphroditus' life could be summed up with this statement. You've got a friend in me. But more importantly, that's the message of Jesus to us this morning. You've got a friend in me. Are you in search of hope this morning? I have it. Are you in search of purpose this morning? I've got that too. Are you in need of forgiveness of your sin and eternal life, salvation? It's right here. You've got a friend in me.